I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and won. Now, let's get to the Eels. What a bizarre year. What a bizarre year. Started off, they had to play Melbourne, Cronulla, Manly, Penrith, Sydney. So their first five games were rough, like tough. They only won one of those games, and that game was against Penrith. (laughs) If that doesn't sum up the Parramatta Eels, I don't know what does. I don't know what does. Um, It is... And the fact that they are the only team to beat Penrith twice in the year is uh, actually incredible. They beat them both regular season games last year too, didn't they? Yes, and then they lost the the GF. What's crazy is... So if you just looked at up to round... If you looked to round 20, sitting seventh... Oh, sorry, round uh, 17, sitting fifth. So... Looking like, you know, I don't even think... Like, so Dill Brown had just returned. Could you get Dill Brown's return date, please? Dill Brown, I was about to say this. So, like, I sort of went, oh, jeez, you know, the Dill Brown thing, you know, obviously very costly. Uh, his, he was suspended after round 13. At that point, they were coming 10th. He returned in round 23. They were still in 10th. In the period he was away, they actually got as high as 5th. So, I mean, wow. that makes this season even more Makes even less sense. Yeah. So, by round tw- right 17... They're sitting fifth. By round 27, so 10 rounds later, and that round 27 was a buy. So basically nine games later, they're finishing 10th. What's crazy about that is it's almost as big a drop-off as the Broncos of last year. Now, we'll we'll talk about, obviously, Rabbitohs when we get to it, but I don't think it's getting talked about enough that they were sitting fifth, and they dropped to 10th in nine games of rugby league. What were the Broncos sitting? Fourth? And they dropped to eighth, uh, sorry, ninth. So it's basically the same gap to a degree. Yep. And ironically, you know, I know they looked way better when Dylan Brown came back, but in their last, so he came back 23, did you say? I mean, like you, ha- you have a look at their, their record during that eight-week period, he wasn't playing. What did they win? Um, four from eight. He came back, they won two from four. 
granted, last few weeks they did play Brisbane, Brisbane Roosters, and Sydney. Penrith, so Penrith. tough gig. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's a bizarre year, but definitely not good enough for the the Eels. Really disappointing. I think that you know we spoke about it during the year, but they just didn't prepare well enough to lose as many players as they did, and I think that they're a victim of being a side that has can't guarantee premierships but was good enough to be threatening for a premiership and they got raided by a bunch of other sides and I don't think that they were prepared enough as an organisation to fill those gaps and also to slowly leak the players away like you are not a good I won't say a good club because sometimes you just get raided there's nothing you can do about it but what we've seen over the years say for Melbourne Storm or whatever and Melbourne Storm are actually fighting this problem too is usually they slowly leak the player like maybe year on year whereas it just kind of all happened at once at Eels they lost such a huge portion of their yeah, and, and you say they weren't prepared for it can be this turnover of players you know post big grand final year and you're right they weren't but I think what this reinforces is like I think what Penrith have done across the last four years with their development systems and their ability to replace players, that's something we've never really seen before. The Melbourne mm. Storm have done it for a long time, but that has been built around, you know, sort of two of the best sets of spines we've seen in many, many years. And also they're, they're facing the struggles now with losing such a big forward pack. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's a, But, like, even a team has one big year, maybe two, and then they don't back it up. But because of what Penrith are doing, it's kind of like when other play- sides make a grand final or win it and then they can't back it up. It's like, well, you know, Penrith can do it, but Penrith are just, they've almost given us this mirage of what clubs should be expected to do. But because mm. I'm the same, I feel like, oh, you know, they didn't replace these players, but man, it's a hard thing to do. Oh, yeah, I, definitely. I'm not saying it's easy at all. Like no, no, yeah. no. But I agree with you. It, it is the challenge. And we spoke about it during the year. It's the Goldilocks zone for poaching teams. Mm. The Eels last mm. year, and I said it, were in the Goldilocks zone for teams looking for high-tier players and they just got completely raided, like completely raided. Like the fact that they lost a guy like Reed Marnie, and to be fair, I, I do think, I do think they stuffed up the Reed Marnie one. Where I, to my understanding, they lowballed him substantially. Whereas the Isaiah Papali'i, uh, Niakore, the um, Kofusi, those kind of guys, I think that it's just they were just collateral of a really good year, and sometimes you can't. Whereas I thought the Reed Marnie one was probably, if you're going to look at one that. They didn't prepare overall as well as they could have, but if you're going to look at one where you could really say, I think the club made an error in this situation, I think it's the Reed Marnie situation. Yeah, he was a very, very big loss, and you know it was obviously compounded with Josh Hodgson who arrived there, and mm. yeah, a little bit out of Josh Hodgson's control, to be fair, but uh, didn't quite live up to what to the hopes we had for him. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like I remember we were out watching Parramatta play Newcastle that night, and they absolutely put the cleaners through them, mm. and if if you would have said to me and Tim that night, hey, one of these teams you're going to wrap galore at the end of the season, the other you're going to be very disappointed in, wouldn't it hasn't played out the way that I thought. Yeah. Looked like the NRL versus Ron Massey Cup, didn't it? It was insane. Yeah. Like they, they were like cones out there in Newcastle and Parramatta was just running a mark. Mate, when they won, I think it was like five from six games, I was like, they're about to go on a run because Dylan Brown's going to get back and they're just going to... Not just like, yeah, not like industry standard council orange cones on the road like little training cones that when the wind picks up they fly to the other side of the field that's they were atrocious that night yeah 
Yeah, and then it just it just fell off a cliff, didn't it? Do you think it's easy to feed your own your own narrative and sort of stuff you say earlier in the year, of course, but like some of the decisions Brad Arthur made with his team, and we've said it all year, and we we emphasised it, harked on about it um, earlier in the year with the the bench rotations and how he wasn't using a full bench and the minutes he was trying to get out of Hopgood and Bolo and Campbell Gillard and all these big blokes, and we couldn't understand it for the life of us. Well, they finished the year, you know, losing four of their last six. You know, they beat Penrith at the end of the season before the bye when, you know, Penrith were cruising into the finals. They were comfortably going to be up there. And, you know, they fell off a cliff. From from that point, they got to fifth, and then they finished, what, tenth? Do you think there's merit to the fact that blokes had run out of steam off the back of a grand final year? A lot of their players in that team played in the World Cup mm. uh, prolifically. What do you reckon? No, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, especially a guy like Junior, who played, th- was it 37 games last year? The most of any player was. Yeah, most of yeah. any player. And then he's coming out playing like 60 minutes in round ones. And t- Could you get 68 juniors? minutes round one, 57 round two, 66 round three. <sighs> like, I don't understand. Why? And like, like, you know, I'm obviously a decent fan of Jermaine Hopgood, but for him to come in there and play 80 minutes the first three weeks on the trot when you've got blokes sitting on the bench... Mm. Fresh in a dinner suit Why? Yeah I don't know Did, did he go in Like Did he look at the start of their season And go Need to win Melbourne here. Cronulla Manly Penrith Four teams that You know I think a lot of people thought Would be there and thereabouts You got you know Three top four teams mm. from last year Did he go We just have to start fast here yeah. I've got no Madison I need you guys to go huge We need mm. to pick up wins here mm. I don't know But it just To make As you said To make Junior do that After going all the way to a grand final, taking Samoa all the way to a World Cup final, it just seemed ludicrous to me. Mm. I know it's easy to say in hindsight when they lose games and whatnot, but it just didn't make, it didn't make sense but at the time. It didn't make sense now. It goes against all the belief of peaking at the right end of the year, doesn't it? And, you know, it makes it more confusing because Brad Arthur got Parramatta to peak last year at the right time come grand final week. So he did so best. He did it. Better than any team, give or take Penrith. You didn't say he did it better than Penrith. Penrith just a significantly better football team. Yeah. So he did it so well last year. But that's what you do, isn't it? Like what the best clubs have done. You, know, you, you manage your players throughout the year and you get them peaking and playing big minutes when it counts. Back into the season when you need to win games, into finals. And it just felt like they did in reverse. And I think I understand the thought of like, we got to win these opening games. Because if, if, we had, if they had gone like four from five, it sets them up for probably a top eight finish. But at the same time, I think you've got to trust your roster. Mm. You've got to be like, this is the roster I think I can challenge for another grand final in. And if I can't beat Melbourne, Cronulla or Manly, I mean, Cronulla and Manly, it's not like they're fucking... You know what I mean? Then it's, anyway. If I think I, it sent a bit of a message to that squad, exactly what you just yeah, said. Like you, it's like he, it, to me, it said, I don't have faith in these guys in my extended squad. Like you can't take Junior off for 10 minutes more than... than like that's, that 10 minutes is, is a lifetime. Huge. Oh, yeah. Each week. And so I, I just don't understand is this is the roster you have. Like it, not like it. You've got to get the best out of it possible. Mm. And is it not playing these guys on the bench barely any minutes? Is that setting you up for success later in the year? Like it's not. Like they're not just going to all of a sudden turn into better players. Like here's a, like such a good example of it. Do you reckon Cogger comes on and plays the game that he played in that grand final if he wasn't fully trusted with the keys to the oh, castle during the middle of the year by the Panthers? Absolutely not. If they had gone Salmon, you know what, we're going Salmon because we trust him, he's been a part of the system, he's a big body, he's going to be safe in defence, Cogger would, ha- would have nowhere near the confidence he had heading into a grand final. 
I just saw some news. Apparently, the Dolphins, they've signed a kid from Newcastle, Oren Keeley, who's a back rower. Mm. Good little signing. Good CBA? Little CBA there, yeah. We'll talk about him in the pre-season. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Um, <laughs> Not really sorry, though. <laughs> Because you wouldn't have said it Love if you were sorry. It's funny, I saw, that, I saw that come up half an hour ago and I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to wait for Guru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Eels are very strange and I do think that they need to review quite closely some of the decisions made early in the year. Um, I think their nine position is still a big concern heading into the new year because it didn't look like they were any closer to finding out who they thought. I thought Hans was doing a great job. They went on this streak, Hans was the hooker, and then he signs Lussick, and then Lussick's Hans can, can't even get in the freaking 17. So bizarre. I don't understand. I don't get it. Once oh, again, it was almost like the better Hans played, the less faith he had in him. Oh, I don't get it. it was, I was not watching Hans going, he has an attitude mm. problem, his defence isn't that good. He needs to be replaced. Like, I understand bringing Lussick in and maybe you start Lussick on the bench and if he plays so well, you go, mate, you've won the position. Because it's not like Hans wasn't playing, like, unbelievable that just couldn't have a position taken from him. But just to basically within a week or two, it was Hans on the bench and then Hans gone, um, which is very surprising. So I do think they need to review some of the decisions. But let's get to some positives. Some real, real positives for me were two things, two players, Mitch Moses and Clint Gutherson. I think that's a really good sign for the club that your two main players and essential leaders, even in a year where a lot didn't work out, they both were so consistent and really delivered their pay packets. thought it was Gutho's best year in a while, especially you know, so good, the man. games that we happened to be there for. He absolutely brained it on both those nights. He was very, very impressive, Gutho. And I just love the maturity you're seeing from Moses year on year on year. Just he's getting so consistent. Yeah. And his defence? What yeah, about his defence in origin? Yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, I think Moses needs to get another, uh, a lot of credit. As we said, you know, Dave Fafita went into origin and did well. Didn't have those huge moments because Mitch Moses defended him so well. Yeah. And he defended him like three weeks in a row. In a row. Oh, yeah. Literally a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Literally a nightmare. You uh, met, uh, on Gutho, talking about drink waters, try involved throughout the year, being number one. Gutho and Reese Walsh were equal second, two behind on 46. Gutho's numbers this year. 46 try involvement, 19 tries, 18 try assists in 23 games. That's a huge year. What a, an incredible season by Gutho. I, I, look, I get it. When a certain player plays for another club, it's very easy to hate him. But if there's one bloke where I just don't get it, it's Gutho. And, I, I love watching him play. And you look at some of the best fullbacks in the game and people around him, I've just got try involvement. So you've got drink waters in front of him, equal with Reese Walsh there. Uh, another one probably Latrell Mitchell, who you look at the brilliance they have in attack, but probably look at things like positioning at times and errors that creep into their game a little bit. Gutho is one of the best defensive and, you know, you'd, you'd argue nearly the best fullback for positioning in the game and just effort areas. So all these enormous attacking stats out there with the best in the game and then just those little one percenters of being in the right position, making that last cast tackle, tackle. Good defense go as well. Real yeah. like the de, the yeah. best defensive. Awesome. How many try saves did he have? Yeah. Um, and he's on seven hundred k. And what's crazy? Guess remember when he was re-signing and everyone was saying seven hundred k, you greedy, blah blah blah. Like that was the narrative. Gutho being greedy, and he's like, what the hell? Like. And then an, another notch on notch on his tally. Just durability. Oh, mate. His last five, this is just regular season, not including finals, regular season games to para. 23 games, 24, 23, 20 out of 20 in 2020. Mm. Uh, 24. 
He played hard to get injured. Yeah. I, I love Gutho. I, I really like him as a player. And I thought, you know, when the chips were down this year, he just took another step up and delivered. He really, really did. Um, him and Mitch Moses, I, look, does Mitch Moses like to throw his hands out a lot and go, what the hell, ref? Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> you know who has increased in that? It's Teddy. He, he does a lot of these ones. Yeah. Whereas I feel like when, you know, when they were winning so, so much, he didn't have to do it as much. But because he's, it's always the hyper-competitive ones that, that do it. When the going gets tough, throw the arms up. They, what the hell, ref? <laughs> um, and look, I understand why that can frustrate people, but they're just they're comp- like they're hyper-competitors. They just want to win. They just want to win. Um, can I give uh, two forwards a shout-out? Obviously, um, Jermaine Hopgood, the first one, had a huge season. He was great, but... Man, I think my favourite storyline at Parramatta this year was Bryce Carr, right? His resurgence was unbelievable. And like, seriously, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, so impressive. Um, I think, I, I definitely think Hopgood had a great year. I, I really do. But I do think he was a victim of maybe some incorrect management from coaching. Without a doubt. I yep. think that you could see by the end of the year he was done. He was done. Whereas at the start of the year, some of the footy he put together was like, almost a guarantee in the Origin squad. Um, he's the kind of guy that you have to hold back from himself. Yeah. It's, it's like the Payne Haas situation. So before Kevin Walters got there, you know, Payne Haas would be put out in the field and just like, mate, I can go. We need wins. Just play for as hard and as long as you can. Kevy gets there and pulls back his minutes to, you know, 55, 60 minutes around that mark, 66, which is still massive minutes. But – it's not, you know, 70 minutes each week, 75 minutes each week. And I think um, Hopgood is, is similar where you've got to protect him from himself because he will stay out there for 80 minutes and tackle his absolute ass off and run the ball a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah, he, like he played 80 minutes on four occasions this year. Mm. And sure, those games, there might have been a few injuries where it's influenced it, but I'm not convinced there was. And it's like I said, yeah, he can do it, but you don't want him to do it. Why? Why? You, want, it, you want him yeah. to... Be that bring the best out of him for the minutes he's on. Yeah, and it's not like he's an 80-minute. There's a couple of 80-minute middles in the game, but they don't have the work rates that he does mm. where he'll take it up, try and take it up twice a set, and he'll make yeah. 45 tackles, and he'll offload, and he'll, he'll run decoys like, don't need to kill the poor bloke. And also, I think a lot of those 80-minute um, 13s, the way they stay 80-minute 13s is by ball playing. Yeah, you know what exactly I mean? Right. They don't take a million hit-ups yeah. a set uh, like Hopgood does. So, yeah, good year there. Um, outside of that, anything else, boys? No. No. Still in desperate need of a centre or an outside back. I thought Will Pensini was, had moments this year where he was a bit better. Um, I, th- I mean, I still thought he had a good last year, um, but they're in desperate need of some outside backs, in my opinion. We spoke about it during periods of last year, but uh, apparently uh, Connor Tracy's looking to get another release from Cronulla. Sorry, Sharks don't want to let him go, eh? Right. Well, I, I've heard... I've heard differently that they might be willing to, purely out of a sense of this bloke's an NRL player, we don't have a starting spot for him, barring injuries, uh, and they might be willing to do so out of dead set goodwill to the bloke. Yeah, okay. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Which, if, oh, if mate, true, get him. huge from them, mate. Right from the Sharks. Great from Sharkies, great from Fitzy. I think he's got another year with the Sharks, maybe. But Eels, if Eels can get Connor Tracy. 
Jeez, that opens things up. Mate, for if them. they can get either of those centers, Tracy or um, Young um, Ido, be a huge game. It'll, it'll turn, turn a lot of things apart. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.